And the Tourism Bureau is not the only government agency getting an upgrade. The Central Weather Bureau has been upgraded to the Central Weather Administration, which will continue to improve its monitoring and forecasting technology while providing meteorological information to different sectors. It will also collaborate on plans for national weather policies, response measures to climate change, and initiatives to boost the resilience of related industries. Transport Minister Wang Guotai attended the plaque unveiling ceremony for the upgraded body on Friday. It's been upgraded to the Central Weather Administration, but the staff size won't be increased. The agency's structure has been simplified and strengthened. The most important thing is we're dealing with the digital transformation, and a lot of this change comes from new technology and equipment. What I'm referring to is supercomputers and the facilities of weather stations. The transport ministry will throw its full support behind getting this technology. As for the lower salaries of public servants, this is a problem in most government agencies. I've seen a lot of our forecasters being poached by TV stations. So, in terms of significantly raising salaries in the future, our Department of Personnel will probably do some planning to deal with this issue. There has been a lot of talk about weather forecasters being given more duties without any increase in their pay, and even contract forecasters having lower wages than public servants. Wang emphasized that the ministry look into the possibility of significantly raising salaries as he hopes to keep talented forecasters in the CWA instead of being lured away by the private sector. The Tourism Bureau under the Transport Ministry has been upgraded to the Tourism Administration. Today, the ministry held a ceremony to celebrate the tourism agency's new name. With the name change comes new lofty goals. The Transport Ministry already has its sights set on 2024, which it expects will bring in 12 million international visitors, a number twice as big as 2023's goal of 6 million. The Tourism Bureau has earned a promotion that comes with a new title. The Executive Yuan's Vice Premier Zheng Wen-Tan and the Ministry of Transportation and Communications Minister Wang Guocai were in attendance for a ceremony that unveiled the agency's new name, the Tourism Administration. We established the Tourism Administration to restructure the agency in a way that gets everyone on the same page. We know this agency's upgrading has been a long time in the making, and so we hope to give the Tourism Administration more energy and more resources. In the future, we'll definitely prioritize any good proposal brought to the table that's part of the major policies for the tourism industry. The establishment of the Tourism Administration is an important milestone that signifies Taiwan's tourism development is moving forward. Many former director generals of the Tourism Bureau came to witness this historical moment. In fact, the Tourism Administration's first director general was once a director general of the Tourism Bureau. You know, this environment is not new to me, but we will be starting out on a new path, especially now that COVID-19 is behind us. In terms of when we will be able to meet the needs of the industry itself, our goal is actually the year 2025. We want to make this place be a travel destination people are drawn to. As for this year's goal of attracting 6 million tourists from other countries, Transport Minister Wang Guocai is confident that the goal can be met ahead of schedule. In fact, Wang has even set a 2024 goal of 12 million tourists, a number Taiwan regularly hit in the pre-COVID days. 
I hope we'll quickly be able to say we're in the 10 million visitors club. The higher the number, the better. So, as a director general of this agency, my goal is to have everyone in the tourism administration working hard. Joe said that the tourism administration is focusing on three major tasks forming a team of consultants that will seek advice from different industries, increase collaboration between businesses and universities to ease worker shortages and cultivate tourism talent, and develop an international tourism market that will attract foreign visitors to Taiwan. The Taipei Aerospace and Defense Technology Exhibition entered its second day on Friday with a special visit by President Tsai Ing-wen. At the show, Tsai learned about the latest developments in unmanned aerial vehicles made in Taiwan. Besides inspecting the latest defense technologies, she also showed off her marksmanship shooting an XT-112 assault rifle in a simulation. President Tsai Ing-wen on Friday visited the Taipei Aerospace and Defense Technology Exhibition, now on its second day. Tai listened attentively to explanations from vendors and visited the USA Pavilion. She also tried her hand at shooting an XT-112 assault rifle at an armament bureau-developed simulation that debuted at the exhibition. The instructor next to Tsai praised her precise shooting, drawing a smile from the president. At the event, the exhibits by the Ministry of National Defense were especially popular, with a showcase of weapons developed by the National Zhongshan Institute of Science and Technology. There were also videos comparing the Taiwan-made Xiongfeng-2 and 3 missiles with U.S.-made Harpoon anti-ship missiles. The video explains that the NCSIST Xiongfeng-2 missile and the U.S.-made harpoons are roughly similar in power, whereas the Xiongfeng-3 is significantly more powerful. The exhibition also has one-to-one scale models of the Xiongfeng-2 and 3. The supersonic Xiongfeng-3 missile can penetrate the hull of a ship and create holes 3 to 4 meters wide. Another highlight at the exhibition were unmanned aerial vehicles. An animation shows a swarm of UAVs loaded with cruise missiles on their way to enemy targets. Also at the exhibition were four models of the Zhenxiang drone series, showcasing the anti-radiation and decoy versions of the UAVs. We're the second country in the world to develop this kind of weapon, only after Israel. I am proud to say that this UAV model is almost 100% made in Taiwan. It's made domestically. The exhibition has attracted military enthusiasts and members of the public wanting to learn more about the latest developments in Taiwan's defenses. A three-day-long weekend will coincide with the Mid-Autumn Festival in late September, but action from the TRA's Train Drivers Union could possibly throw a wrench in vacationers' travel plans. The union recently announced that 99% of its drivers have signed a petition to take leave over the holiday to protest the TRA's lack of action to improve train safety and, pro- and protect workers' rights. Transport Minister Wang Guotai says discussions on the matter are progressing adding that disruption is unlikely. Yesterday we had a meeting in the afternoon that had the Premier and Vice Premier and it also included the Directorate General of Budget Accounting and Statistics and the Directorate General of Personnel Administration. 
We discuss the union's requests, and tentatively, what we have agreed to do includes both allowing workers to decide when they'll rest and extra pay, which will turn into law. We currently don't have any backup plans, because in principle, we've tentatively agreed to their demands, and next Wednesday we'll be discussing their suggestions. We're currently optimistic that we probably won't end up having a situation where no drivers work over time, so we'll keep communicating with them. Last year on May 1st, over a thousand train drivers took time off during Labor Day, resulting in the cancellation of 871 train services. Wong has apologized multiple times for the incident, saying he doesn't want to see a repeat of the situation. He says the MOTC will step up its efforts in talking with the TRA and its labor union to avert a holiday travel crisis. The giant pandas that have been living at the Smithsonian's National Zoo in Washington for 23 years will return to China by the end of this year. What kind of diplomatic moves were taken to bring the animals to the U.S. and how politics and new conservation strategies might impact the species' future? Voice of America's Veronica Boderas Iglesias investigates. Now I'm going to present uh, this pair of giant pandas to the American people. Xinxin and Linlin arrived in the United States in 1972. The rare gift from China was a sign of not only goodwill, but also soft power. After then, U.S. President Richard Nixon and First Lady Pat Nixon had paid a historic state visit to the East Asian country. In 1984, when the giant panda was declared an endangered species, Beijing began lending bears instead of gifting them. Ten-year agreements with a price tag of up to $10 million were put in place. They decided that in order to help with panda conservation in China, uh, that they would charge uh, for the pandas. Zoos were willing to pay these kinds of prices because, as I again said, uh, they are a major attraction. Under one of those research and breeding agreements, which would later be extended several times, Panda Pear, Mei Xiang, and Tian Tian began living at the Smithsonian's National Zoo in Washington in December 2000. They are not the only pandas who have made the U.S. their temporary home. We had a pair at the Atlanta Zoo. The Memphis and San Diego pandas have already gone back to China. The Washington-based giant pandas and their cub are now also expected to depart to China by the end of this year. There's been some speculation that economic, political and security tensions between the U.S. and China might be at play in the non-extension of the agreements. Chinese authorities did not reply to VOA's repeated requests for comment. The success of breeding and other conservation efforts in U.S. zoos, however, should not be overlooked, some analysts say. The zoos have helped improve the species' status from endangered to vulnerable. But others say it is time for a new strategy. I think the public understands more now than it did back then that uh, zoos are not necessarily the way that you preserve animals in the wild. The Smithsonian's National Zoo is planning to hold several events in Washington to bid farewell to its pandas. 
Zoo Atlanta has also announced its four giant pandas will return to China in 2024. Veronica Valderas Iglesias, VOA News, Washington. The government has bought nearly 70 million government-funded flu vaccines that will be rolled out on October 2nd in schools nationwide. But already, the inoculation plan is off to a bumpy start. More than one million parents signed up their children for flu shots using the wrong online form provided by the CDC. The sign-up form was the version from last year and showed the wrong administration times and flu strains targeted. It also did not feature Medigen as a vaccine brand on offer as it is set to debut this year. The CDC has apologized for the mistake and has requested the company in charge of the electronic platform for update. Parents who submitted the form of intent before 6 p.m. on September 13th will have to fill in the form again. Failing to do so might result in their children not receiving a vaccination. The Taiwan AI Academy annual conference kicked off on Friday in a ceremony attended by tech leaders and Vice President Lai Qingde. In his address, Lai stressed that amid the current geopolitical strengths, Taiwan is a reliable supply chain partner for artificial intelligence components. Also in attendance was Quanta Computer founder Barry Lam, who stressed that Taiwan stood to benefit greatly from the surge in demand for AI and cloud computing. Vice President Lai Qingde on Friday attended the Taiwan AI Academy annual conference. There, he discussed how the AI boom and the rising demand for chips and computing power could present big opportunities for Taiwan's strong ICT industry. AI is power. Amid the current geopolitical changes, the world is looking for reliable supply chains. Our window of opportunity will become bigger and bigger and allow our country to become increasingly powerful. Taiwan's AI action plan was started by Vice President Lai Qingde. The emergence of OpenAI's ChatGPT marks another chapter in the AI revolution. At the conference, Quanta Computer Chair Barry Lam spoke on working with generative AI. He stated that the world was seeing the dawn of the era of AI, meaning that the next five to ten years hold vast growth potential. AI the power. AI technology is national power. This is not an overstatement. It's no hyperbole. Lam said demand for AI servers and cloud computing will be high, indicating growth momentum in the second half of the year. He warned that the current supply chains were insufficient to keep up with the growth. I'm not worried about orders. I just want to have supply chains. It's not like we can cook rice without rice. Demand is significant, but supply chains can't keep up. We need to make adjustments to supply chains. Fortunately, they are all in Taiwan, which puts Taiwan in an advantageous position. Lam voiced confidence in Taiwan's AI server and cloud computing supply chains, but added that TSMC would continue to be Taiwan's biggest geopolitical asset. TSMC will continue to be the guardian of Taiwan. It's thanks to their chips that we can have all these products, so TSMC will remain as Taiwan's guardian. 
Back on Wednesday, the U.S. Congress held a meeting with tech leaders to discuss AI regulations and set up protective measures against what could be a double-edged sword. Lam has a positive outlook on the technology, saying it can be harnessed to solve many problems. He says humanity will be able to find ways to address any potential side effects as the AI revolution gets started. Zhonghua Telecom and Taiwan Mobile have been fined a total of 76 million NT for jointly cancelling certain bonuses attached to an unlimited mobile data plan promotion. In 2018, the two companies removed incentives such as free voice calls from a monthly data plan costing 699 NT. The move was taken after the two companies found the number of subscribers with more expensive plans was decreasing. The Fair Trade Commission says their joint cancellation amounted to an unlawful concerted action. Nowadays, it's all about swiping and tapping away on your phone, making all-you-can-eat internet contracts a must. In 2018, Zhonghua Telecom and Taiwan Mobile made changes to their 4G unlimited data plans, which cost 699 NT a month. Yet, they removed bonus features from the plan, including free calls within the network and lower rates for calls to other networks. After a five-year investigation, the Fair Trade Commission has determined that the move was unlawful concerted action. It has issued a fine of 40 million NT to Zhonghua Telecom and 36 million NT to Taiwan Mobile. The combined amount of 76 million NT has set a record for the highest fine ever imposed on telecom companies. We have evidence that top executives at both companies communicated with each other to remove those extras from the plan. That constitutes as unlawful concerted action under the Fair Trade Act. The Fair Trade Commission believes the two operators arranged to make changes together to get customers to sign up for pricier plans and reduce revenue losses from voice calls. The Consumers Foundation also says that cutting the features from the promotional plans was foul play. Cancelling the plan makes it very difficult for consumers to prove damages or to succeed in litigation if they try to fight for their rights. We urge the companies involved to restore the plans to what they were. Zhonghua Telecom has responded, saying that any decisions and adjustments to the plans were done due to operational considerations. It added that five years had already passed since they offered the promotional monthly plan, and that therefore, the Fair Trade Commission may not have had the information necessary to clarify the situation. It said the company would investigate administrative measures to protect the company's rights and interests. Meanwhile, Taiwan Mobile expresses it finds the decision deeply regrettable, saying it will explore response measures. Today, we take you to meet two entrepreneurs in Taiwan who want to help people find sports partners. Mandy Chan and Colin Brawley have designed a platform that matches people interested in the same sports and recreational activities. They're currently testing the platform for the climbing community, but they have big plans for expansion. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to them to find out more. Some sports, such as hiking or swimming, can be done alone. Other sports require a partner. A new app aims to help people find sports partners easily. 
Users just need to answer a few questions to fill out their profiles. After submitting answers about their skill levels, preferences, available schedules, and locations, the app quickly matches them up with others who are interested in the same sports. Actually, created to make it so easy to find people, uh, so make it so easy to find people to do sports together anytime. We want to create. Uh, sports profiles for people to like easily like fill out like okay there's sports abilities and then like, according to every sport so you'll be multi sports but each sport uh, will have like a sports profile with criteria that matters to that sport. The app was created by Taiwanese entrepreneur Mandy Chen and Irish entrepreneur Colin Brawley. Chen worked for a major international sports company for six and a half years. After the pandemic, she decided to leave the company and start her own business in the sports tech industry. Brawley was previously a software engineer for global aviation software company. In 2018, he moved to Taiwan after receiving a gold card. Like we did, a, we did, we did some research and we did some data scraping, and we found that. Uh, currently, just in Taiwan, there's like so many groups that's just for finding sports partners, and there's over one million people like in these groups. Chen and Barley are now testing their app, which is currently open only to the climbing community. They plan to expand to more sports in the future. We'll start off with the climbing community, uh, and then like we will also expand to other sports. Um, right now, we're thinking maybe hiking, but then like. You know, we are, out, we are open when there's a community that really calls for the needs. We just have like such great resources of uh, unlimited hikes and, and very accessible. You can just do it in half a day, in a couple of hours. Just the traveling time is so short. And um, there are also there are also like other sports that I noticed, like for example, like badminton is like a maybe it's not a new sport, but then like um, it's. The, the, the people who are looking for sports partners in Birmingham, it, it grew exponentially. Chen and Brawley hope to officially launch the app before the end of the year and eventually expand internationally. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Hong Guo Kai in Taipei.